you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will point one for you. Do you understand your rights? This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And I just want to say thank you, to all you Patreon and Convict subscribers out there who make this show go, I appreciate you. And you know you'll get this episode early. And I hope you all enjoyed your bonus episode last week of Attic. And actually, it was on video. So that's the first time I ever did one of those. But let's get to the t- today's show. I thank everybody for listening. I love all you lifers. You're the best, best in the world, best fans. And you continue to make me grow. And I love you, love you, love you. Today's story is a tough one, um, and it's a long one, So, but you need to hear the whole thing, so just bear with me. Um, I'm going call to it, call it Life on Death Row, all right? Uh, stay tuned to the end of the show for a bunch of real-life, real-crime announcements. On July the 7th, 1979, now y'all... Obviously, this isn't my case, right? I mean, I was nine years old when this happened, but bear with me. July 7th, 1979, there was a guy going to cut some wood, firewood, on an area of Livingston Parish known as the Magnolia Beach area, and that is on the extreme western side of the parish um, and where the Meat River separates Livingston Parish from East Baton Rouge Parish. And back then in 1979, y'all, there couldn't have been anything out there but some woods and cow pastures and stuff. But since then, that's a huge development area. Uh, truck stops, restaurants, whatever, neighborhoods, everywhere. There's no no dirt left over there that's untouched. But back then, it had been really isolated, really, really rural. Um, so this guy goes in to cut his wood, right? Now, why is he cutting wood in July? Well, if you know anything about 
firewood, you know, that you don't want to burn green firewood. So he goes in and he's going to cut down his trees and split his wood and stack it up and, and haul it off and age it for the next winter. So it takes at least like six months to get it aged well. So he goes to this little patch of woods, Magnolia Beach, and he's walking in and he looks down and he sees the body of a young boy dressed in a pair of cut-off jeans. You know, y'all, it's obvious the boy's been dead. He's been murdered, okay? As the, the woodcutter looks around, he also sees a single-barrel shotgun and some spent shells and a pair of gloves next to the victim's body. The single-shot shotgun is important, y'all, to this whole story, and I'll explain to you later on why, but there's three types of shotguns. Semi-automatic, which can hold up to five rounds. As fast as you pull the trigger, it'll shoot, okay? And then you have, well, I guess like four types of shotguns, but the then you have like a double-barrel shotgun, which holds two shots and has two triggers and can uh, fire two rounds and you have one that is a pump shotgun which will hold up to five rounds but each time you load a new round you fire one and you have to eject the, the shell out of the chamber and, and load another one in okay but a single shot the they're the cheapest you got to know what you're shooting at right so we'll just get on with it the so the guy freaks out and and he sees the boy's been been shot uh, but they're spent shells, y'all. That means whoever did this had to pull the trigger the first time, shoot the boy. Then they had to crack open the barrel on the single-shot shotgun. It's a crack barrel. They had to crack open the barrel, which shoots out the uh, – ejects the, the shell casing. And then they had to put another one in, close the barrel, cock the shotgun again, shoot again, then shoot the victim again. Then they open the barrel, throw out the spent car, spent shell, reload a, a third time, close the gun, cock it again, and shoot the little boy again. And then eject the shell and throw the shotgun on the ground. And whoever it was doing was wearing gloves, right? So, and they left those behind too. So the guy freaks out and calls Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. Now they respond and rope it off and start to work it. And back then they only had a couple of detectives, y'all. And I know uh, Dillard Stewart was one of the guys on this case. And I would know him years later. And everywhere I went on the street, or it seemed like every. Every long-term Livingston Parish resident I dealt with, they said, where's Uncle Dillard at? Where's Uncle Dillard at? Because he had been a t detective, a fixture for, I don't know, shit, long time, longer, as long as Kearney, right? So they would all respond it, roped it off, and have the state police crime lab come out, photograph it, and, you know, tag and bag the, the victim. But what do you have to do? You got to, first of all, you need to know who the victim is, okay? And so they're, they're working the scene. They're doing it all up and everything. Well, then they ask dispatch, you know, do we have any reports of missing kids in our parish? 
we all this back then there were no cell phones there was no social media there was no internet no computers even okay so they would have had to search to make sure if they had any missing persons um especially that of a young white male and they didn't all right so back then the only form of media available to the public was newspapers and the television channels now in, in east baton rouge at the time there was they were just getting cable but it, they certainly didn't have cable news channels or anything like that or 24-hour news and what have you but they had three local tv stations an nbc affiliate an abc affiliate and a cbs affiliate but there was no there'd been no reports right and they don't know who the boy is one of the detectives reaches out to the east baton rouge sheriff's office and says hey look do y'all happen to have any missing young boys and they said yes now y'all this is on sunday okay so this is a day after the the crime scene's been processed and the boys taken in for the autopsy and all that. So they say, yeah, they just had a report come in of a mom who said her son, who is 11 years old, Joseph Cook Owen, O-W-E-N, had gone missing. The mom wakes up on Sunday. At some point, she realizes, hey, he's not home, right? And he's... He's not at his friend's house. Now, y'all, back then, you would have had to call your friends, the friends in the neighborhood, or go see them, what have you. There's no, no cell phones, no texting, none of that. So I guess it took her a little time. I don't understand that you don't know that your 11-year-old is missing until almost two days later. But she reports him um, as a missing person, and the detectives were able to match up the crime scene, the the victim at the crime scene to the, the this young boy that was missing. So they identified him as Joseph Cook Owen. Hey y'all, you know we're always traveling out of town, Cindy and I, and I remember she forgot her razor, and we're getting ready to go out to a fancy dinner and a show thing, and she cut her legs to shreds with the cheap one we had to get from the hotel. Well, then we found Athena Club. Athena Club's razor is designed with built-in skin guards to help prevent razor burn while being gentle on curves. The razor blade is surrounded by a water-activated serum with shea butter and hyaluronic acid, which is a holy grail for skin care. The best part is the razor kit is only $9 and comes with two blade heads and a magnetic hook for shower storage and your choice of handle color. And the razor has six color options, but they also have black and white razors, which I've never seen before from other brands. Cindy has the sky blue color. She loves it. Plus, you'll never have to worry about running out of refills or being stuck with dull or overused razors. You can choose how often replacements blades are sent to you with free shipping. That means fresh, ready-to-use razors always arrive right when you need them. Also, you have to try their cloud shave foam. Cindy hadn't used shaving cream in a long time, but she found it to be such a premium experience with the Cloud Shave Foam that it nourished her skin while she shaved. She loves it. Show your skin you care with the Athena Club Razor Kit. Sign up today and you'll get 20% off your first order. 
just go to athenaclub.com and use promo code RLRC. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with promo code RLRC for 20% off. You're going to love them. Now, what do you do? Well, it's obvious he was murdered in Livingston Parish, okay? He was shot to death on Magnolia Beach in brutally so three times. Um, but Joseph Cook Owen lived with his mama in East Baton Rouge Parish. Remember I told you that right there, Magnolia Beach is a bridge that crosses over and, and that connects the two parishes. So what do they do? They have to get together and they got to work it. And one of the things they do is they go into the neighborhood of Joseph Cook Owen and then they start knocking on doors, boots on the ground, right? Old school, the way to do it. And they go through the neighborhood and they're talking to every single neighbor, every single person that lived in the neighborhood, period. And then and nobody's like, people are like, nope, hadn't seen him, hadn't seen him. Well, I don't know how you don't see an 11 year old, right? But whatever. Uh, but they end up getting to one guy's house in the neighborhood. And his name is James Copeland. All right. So they knock on the door. James Copeland comes to the door and they're like, hey, we're detective so and so. And you know, we're canvassing the neighborhood and, and uh, in hopes of finding someone who had seen this child. And they showed Copeland the photographs of Owen. Copeland looks at the photographs and he tells the officers that the child was one of the boys who had been at his house shooting fireworks on the 4th of July. And then Copeland said that he may have seen the child later in the weekend on the 5th or 6th of July. Leaves it at that, right? Well, the cops, you know, write that down and they continue through the neighborhood and they're like, shit, man, when they get done, this cat Copeland is the only one who's saying he saw the boy, period. And, and you know, he said he's over, could have been one over on the fourth and may have seen him on the fifth or sixth. Mm, you know, he's being a little evasive. So they go back and they talk to him and question him again. Mm, doesn't pass the smell test, y'all. And so they ask him to come in for more questioning. Copeland agreed, and he left a note for his roommate, George Brooks. Now, Copeland was 19 years old at the time. The roommate, George Brooks, was 37 years old, and they were gay lovers. So Copeland leaves the note, and he goes in with the police, and they get, they get to the substation, East Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office substation at 5.30 p.m. on Sunday, July the 8th. And they told Copeland, they advised him as Miranda rights orally, but he wasn't a suspect Suspect at the time. I mean, he's, he's got to be worked, right? It's not like they had anything on him or whatever, but they advised him his, his rights verbally. They start talking to him. Well, after an hour, they stopped. And they said, you know what? We need to advise you your rights again. 
in. They gave him the written rights form, uh, and he read it and he acknowledged, signed it that you know he knew his legal and constitutional rights. And then Copeland says this. He gave an oral statement of his version of the crime. Copeland says that Owen had come over to Copeland's house a little after dark on Friday, July the 6th, 1979. Y'all remember his body was found the next morning. He said George Brooks, his homosexual lover and roommate, told Copeland that he wanted a sexual encounter with the child and took the child into the bedroom. Copeland said that he did not have sex with the child and that he stayed in the living room during that time period and he went out to the 7-Eleven convenience store for a time. He said at 3 or 3.30 Saturday morning, Brooks brought the child from the bedroom. He said Brooks tied the child and Copeland gagged him. Brooks then wanted Copeland to go with him and the child to make sure the child did not jump out of the car. Copeland stated that Brooks had given the boy a sleeping aid, Nitol. Brooks had brought Copeland's shotgun with him. They drove out to the field where Brooks untied and ungagged the child. Brooks then took the gun from Copeland, who had carried it to the field. At this point, Copeland told Brooks that he wanted no part of this, and he ran towards the car, which was parked about 100 yards away. When he had run part of the distance to the car, Copeland heard three shotgun blasts. He turned around and saw the child fall toward the right. Brooks then brought the gag and a rope back to the car. Copeland threw them from the car window as Brooks and he drove home. So right after giving this oral statement, what they do shit, they, they want to lock him in. So they get him on tape, y'all, on, and, and he gives a, a audio confession. Now, we didn't have, they didn't have cameras back in 1979, video cameras and shit, right? Um, and he says the same thing. And, and at the, at my, about the crime, that he was there, that Brooks did it. Um, y'all can tell you what, I just got to interrupt part on this. He's already fucked because he says he's running a hundred yards to the car and he hears three shotgun blasts and then turns around and sees him fall to the right. That's bullshit. Remember I told you it was a single barrel shotgun. It had to be fired once, opened, shells ejected, reloaded, fired again, opened, Shells ejected, reloaded, and fired again. All right, then they had to have time to take off the gloves and leave them at the, uh, on the ground. So they, that's bullshit, and they know this is bullshit. It, it's the single shot shotgun. It's just it's notoriously slow to get all three shots. At the conclusion of his tape statement, Copeland agreed that the cops didn't use any kinds of threats or coercion to give the statement. And he said that the st statement was voluntarily given. Copeland also noted that he did not want to see Brooks at all. He said, I don't want to talk to him at all or nothing. Copeland was then ar arrested for the first degree murder, aggravated rape, 
crimes against nature and being a fugitive from Livingston Parish. So they bring him back to Livingston Parish. In, but later that day, Copeland agreed to go with the detectives to the crime scene. And then they had, I'm sure they had to borrow a video camera, but they made a videotape of the area. Monday goes by, roll into Tuesday. They questioned Copeland again. Remember, I told you this, it just shit wasn't adding up, right? The single shot shotgun and whatever. Uh, Copeland then gave a second taped statement, which was inconsistent with the first. Now, it's going to be hard to hear y'all, but here it is. In this later statement, Copeland related that both he and Brooks were in the bedroom with the child, the child being Owen, y'all. Um, he said that Brooks took off the child's pants and Copeland took off the child's shorts that both he and Brooks had sexual acts with Owens. Copeland then reveals that at one point the child became ill and the men let him go to the bathroom. Once in there, Owens tried to escape through a window, but Copeland prevented the escape by kicking in the bathroom door and taking the child back into the bedroom where more sexual acts were performed. At 3 o'clock or 3.30 a.m., after they tied and gagged the child, they took him to the field where Copeland shot him at least twice. Copeland further stated that I wasn't sure I was going to kill him until after I pulled the trigger. I didn't know whether I could do it or not. Copeland concluded the statement by agreeing that no threats or promises or coercions had been made against him and further stated, I did the confession of my own free will. Well, it's pretty tough, right? Now, let me tell you George Brooks' version of the story. Hey, y'all. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, contact lenses, and eye exams. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores. Glasses start at just $95, including prescription lenses. Try Warby Parker's free home trial one program, order five pairs of of glasses to try one home at free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. It ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Y'all, let me tell you about this. I'm wearing my Warby Parkers now. I used this program where I went online. I picked the five styles that I want to try on. Warby Parker shipped it to me. It was fast. I got there in a couple days. I, I'm so glad they did. Some of the styles I actually didn't like once I had them on my face and the ones that I have on now, I love them, right? And the so I shipped it back in and they shipped me my prescription glasses and they look great. They the the quality, I mean, it's just superior. Home trial on program, how easy is that? No more waiting in the eye doctor store to try on glasses, right? 
So try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash R-L-R-C. That's W-A-R-B-Y-P-A-R-K-E-R dot com slash R-L-R-C. All right, y'all, let me tell you about George Brooks, the 37-year-old gay lover of Copeland. So what they do, they get an arrest warrant for him naturally, and they go and arrest him. They bring him in like, hey, dude, gig is up. They probably would have displayed the crime scene photographs for him to see and say, hey, look, gig is up. Your 19-year-old lover already told us what you did. And he's like, oh, shit, right? And I can assure you that they probably told him the death penalty was going to be on the table. Um, and you know, he's under arrest for aggravated rape, crimes against nature, first-degree murder, and, and kidnapping. So, y'all, in Louisiana, the death penalty, the for you to get it, you got to really be a bad motherfucker all right and this case of course fits that to t and george brooks this wasn't his first rodeo but george really realizes the gig is up and he's fucked and so they're questioning him he's like well you know what i'm not getting the fuck out that I'm, I'm gonna tell him my version of what happened all right so brooks says that he and copeland have been talking about getting the third person to have sex with and that um for like a week or two like they've been having sex and they uh, fantasizing about getting a third person in to have sex with them and he said that on friday night he went out started cruising looking for someone to pick up now he would cruise the streets of baton rouge maybe at some gay bars i don't know but that's this is his version of what happened he said that he called home several times, and then uh, back then, y'all, he had to stop at a, at a payphone to do this, and he talked to Copeland. On one of the times, the last time that he called home, Copeland says, and I'm going to read this to you. On the last call, when he called Copeland, Brooks says that Copeland said that he had company and that Brooks should come home. When Brooks arrived home, Copeland and the 11-year-old boy, Joseph Cook Owen, were in the bedroom drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. Brooks then says, at Copeland's suggestion, he held Owen's arms and then tied him up. Brooks says Copeland had anal and oral sex with Owen. Brooks also had the boy perform oral sex on him. After Owen went into the bathroom and vomited, he sat and waited, asking the men what they were going to do with him. According to Brooks, Copeland told the boy that they were going to drop him off some distance away so it would take him a long time to get back home. Owen, who was gagged with an orange cloth and whose hands were tied, was taken to the car. Copeland took his gloves and his shotgun, using the gun to threaten Owen. 
Brooks drove the car into an area called Magnolia Beach in Levinson Parish. The men walked Owen to a clearing in the woods where they untied and ungagged him and told him to sit down. While Brooks was walking toward the car, he heard a shot and looked back and saw Copeland reload and shoot twice more. He said they then ran toward the car, leaving the gun at the scene because it was stolen and not likely to be traced to them. They drove away and then stopped at a convenience store for beer and coffee. After leaving the store, Brooks threw the rope and the gag out of the car, and they arrived at home around 3 or 4 a.m. on Saturday. So, what do you do? Certainly, Brooks knew he wasn't going to be able to explain away um, when they hit the house, which they did later, y'all, with search warrants and all that. But the the vomit in the bathroom. Now, look, this is uh, this is twenty pr- years probably before DNA is in existence. So, put that out of your mind. But you got two different guys, both saying that the other one killed Owens, right? And even though Copeland changed his story, and we know he's full of shit when he said the three shotgun blast or whatever. I mean. Can you imagine? First of all, first of all, it's not denied by either one of them that they were trying to actively search to find a third person to have sex with to introduce into their sex life. The Copeland doesn't deny that Brooks was out cruising looking for somebody to bring in to have sex with them. The but the fact that Copeland sees Owen, the eleven year old y'all in the neighborhood Friday night and he entices him in starts giving him beer and cigarettes that's not disputed even Copeland admits this later on I have an 11 year old son I cannot begin to imagine if this had happened to him whoever's telling the truth doesn't matter facts are that once he went inside that residence, they were going to rape him. They were going to, 11 years old, they didn't give a shit. They wanted for their own sexual desires to take this baby and do what they want to do with him. And they do it. And they do it together. Who, Whatever version you believe, who raped anally and who just got or whatever, it doesn't matter. The one thing that Brooks doesn't admit to is the fact that Owens got sick and well, he admits that Owen got sick and, and went to the bathroom and vomited. He doesn't say shit about the door being kicked in and the little boy trying to get out a window, right? And re- literally trying to escape with his life. So he, he downplays that part. But think about that. You're 11 years old. They bring you in, they give you a little beer, whatever. I, I don't know how it turns to sex, but at some point they hold him down and they rape him an- anally. And then they rape him orally. An 11 year old kid. Then he gets sick naturally, I'm sure, from the oral rape and goes in the bathroom, throws up. They're, they're like just hanging out 
naked in the bedroom waiting for him to come back so they can rape him some more. Then they hear the window opening. Copeland kicks the door and drags him back into the bedroom. And guess what? They rape him again and again. Anally, orally. What that 11-year-old boy must have been thinking. The fear that he had. But when they get done, their lust is finally satisfied. And the boy asks him, what are you going to do with me now? Right? They tie him up. They put a gag in his mouth. And get the shotgun. Supposedly, Copeland says, according to Brooks, Copeland says, we're going to take you far away from your house and drop you off. So it'll take you a while to get home. So maybe the 11-year-old's got a little hope in his mind. Maybe they're they're really just going to leave me, and which would be great, right? I mean, anything to get out of that hell that he was going through in the house. But they drive across from East Baton Rouge Parish and the Livingston Parish down the Magnolia Beach Road to that little clearing and they untie him and then take the gag out of his mouth. Then uh, they have a shotgun on him, right? Supposedly Copeland's using the shotgun to make him behave and not run off or whatever, but it helped him sit down, take the gag out of his mouth, untie him. Well, maybe at that second, Owen's thinking, God, they're actually going to let me go. But one of these two assholes lifted the shotgun and murdered him. Shot him the first time. Re-fucking-loaded. Cracked open that barrel, put another one in, closed it, shot him again. Opened the barrel, throw the shell out, reload it. By this time, y'all, he's on the ground. He's already dead. But they shoot him again. Drop the shotgun because it's been stolen. Drop the gloves. There's no fucking DNA. You can't get fingerprints from out inside the gloves. So this is way back before any of this, right? Fuck it. We'll just leave the gloves and the shotgun. But then they go. Then they go for beer and cigarettes. I mean, beer, cigarettes, and coffee. Louisiana, the death penalty, it has to have aggravated circumstances. On this case, aggravated rape would have been because Owen, the victim, was younger than 12 years old. Now it's 13, y'all. They changed it uh, since then, but back then, 11 years old would have made it aggravated rape and they both admitted whether they're accusing the other one or not that he was anally and orally raped hey y'all how many of you wish there was a better solution to paying off your debt my sponsor pds debt 
has customized 0% interest options for anyone struggling with credit cards, personal loans, medical bills, collections, or any other type of debt. Because of the tough year from COVID-19, certain types of debt can now be reduced and in some cases completely eliminated from your credit. There are more options now than ever before to take control of your debt and the experts at PDS Debt can help. PDS Debt is giving our listeners a free copy of their credit report just for completing the 30-second online debt assessment at pdsdebt.com slash RLRC. You will receive a full breakdown of all the interests you shouldn't be paying each month and multiple options on how they can help you get rid of it. If you're making payments on your debt and your balances aren't going down, this program is for you. PDS Debt rolls all your payments into one low monthly payment based on your budget and what you can afford. Everyone with over $5,000 in debt qualifies and there is no minimum credit score required. Bad and fair credit accepted. Save thousands in interest and fees. Pay off your debt in a fraction of the time. PDS Debt is offering free credit reports to our listeners just for completing the quick and easy debt assessment at www.pdsdebt.com slash RRC. That's pdsdebt.com slash RLRC. Take back your financial freedom today by visiting pdsdebt.com slash RLRC. Autopsy proves the anal part and hard to prove the oral part because there's nothing left to Owen's head, if you will, to get evidence from. But autopsy definitely showed he died from gunshot wounds, plural. Louisiana Aggravated rape can get you the death penalty alone. But guess what? Owens didn't go over there by himself. They kidnapped him when he tried to get out that bathroom window. Not that an 11-year-old could consent to sex anyway, but when he tries to get out the bathroom window and they kick in the door and they drag him back, they rape him again. At that point, motherfucker, now you got kidnapping. That's another aggravated circumstance. But then you tie him up and gag him. I mean, I wouldn't do this to anybody. I don't care how much I hated him. But they, this little innocent 11-year-old boy, tie him up and gag him and take him out and shoot him three times. Like, you wouldn't do a rabbit dog, you, you know, after the first shot if he's dead. It is what it is. So they get charged, rightfully so, and this is a horrific case. They take it to the grand jury, which they have to, even though it's a great probable cause arrest. They have to take it to the grand jury, and they, the grand jury, which is a secret panel of citizens that hear the facts of the case on a death penalty case. You just gotta, you got to, 
be indicted by the grand jury, even though the probable cause arrest was great, that these people had to sit in there and listen to it. And they were pissed. And they come back and they died him for the charges that I told you. And the district attorney said, fuck it, we're going for the death penalty. And I submit to you that if ever a case deserved a death penalty, is this one. All right. Now, I'm just going to touch real quick on what happened on trials. And then next week, you got to hear this story. It is so much shit coming. But I'm going to tell you real quick on the trials. Copeland goes to trial first. Um, he, I think it's sometime in 1980. I have to look it up. But the um, there was so much media attention in Livingston Parish at the time. Now, y'all, again, there's no social media, no texting, none of the shit that we have today. That media can only come from the news station and the newspapers. But they gave Copeland a change of venue. They moved it out, the trial, from Livingston Parish to Tangipahoa Parish, which is the parish east of Livingston. And their courthouse is in a meet, right? They pick a juror, pick a jury. And on these cases, it's a whole lot more in depth, okay? And you have to be very specific when you're going for the death penalty, the during voir dire, that's what they call in Louisiana jury selection. When they're picking the jurors, they would ask them their opinion on the death penalty. And in I'll get into that next week. But the uh, jury seated, they hear the evidence from the detectives, they hear the tape confessions, they hear the autopsy, they see the crime scene video. They see, you know, everything, everything that I already told y'all, the, the shotgun, what have you. And they go out for Copeland, and it doesn't take long. And they come back in. Copeland rises. Jury reached a verdict. Unanimous guilty. Then they have to go into the death penalty phase of the trial. And the jury, and I'll tell you about the details of that next week, the jury comes back unanimous, put him to death. James Copeland is sentenced to die. Back then it would have been an electric chair, y'all, before lethal injection at Angola. Bye-bye, bitch, right? You rape and murder and Brutally murder and just put yourself in an 11 year old's mind at any part of that fucking process, much less sitting there after you've been raped numerous times and then looking down that barrel, that shotgun and they blow your head off. But so Copeland gets to death fucking right. He deserves it. Okay. Then George Brooks goes on trial and again, they move the venue, the whole nine yards, and it's the same thing, same dog and pony show. They present all the evidence, the tape confessions, the times that they, you know, Copeland changed his story, and uh, Brooks admitting to be there, and what makes it aggravated and everything else. They go through the whole trial and sum it up again, because a real story will start next week. Um. 
Jury comes back guilty. First degree murder. Aggravated rape, kidnapping, the whole nine yards. Penalty phase. We go through the penalty phase. And y'all, you know what the penalty phase is. It's the, on a death penalty case, that's when the same jury has to sit there and listen um, each side. The prosecution will say what his aggravated circumstances were in the, in the murder of Owen. And the defense usually tries to put up some shit about the bad guys. At this point, the guilty or not guilty verdict is not even thought about, right? It's about whether you're going to sentence this guy to die. And so the defense gets up and, and says everything from drug use to sexually abuse as a kid to whatever, whatever. They try to um, get the jury to be lenient on the person that's facing the death penalty. And that's hard for people to go back and, and come, you know, and sentence a man to die. Right? But I tell you, if there was ever a case that deserved it, if you against the death penalty or whatever, take one minute and put yourself inside of Owen's brain from the beginning of the rapes to he saw the flash of the shotgun. Jury comes back. Penalty phase. Unanimous verdict. Put him to death. Fuck him. Send him to Angola. And they got it right. This story is so fucking crazy when I get into what happens next, y'all. And, and it's just out the box, unheard of. Um, it's, I'll have to tell it. I have to tell it in parts because it's too long. I can't do it all in one session, okay? Yeah, but wait until you hear what has happened. And I will start this second part. You'll get it next week. But I want to thank everybody. I'm so concluding today's episode of Life on Death Row. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. Y'all, a couple things. Our Real Life Real Crime community app. Go download it for free from the App Store. It's got everything real life, real crime, and I'm going there first every day to answer questions and everything else. So it also has the subscription part, Convicts. Convicts, just like Patreon, but they're uh, the subscribers through the app. And again, I hope you all enjoyed your bonus episode last week, Attic. And now we're going to do all the bonus episodes on video. Okay, and they will be put in the canteen. Now, as with anything, there's a learning process, but we're getting it straight. Uh, but thank y'all for subscribing, Patreon members. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you so much. And the you, I hope you enjoyed your episodes also. And y'all will be getting these these unedited, commercial free episodes early. All right. So thank you so much. All lifers, I love you, love you, love you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Then look, download the Real Life Real Crime Community app. Go to Instagram. Instagram, it's um, at Real Life Real Crime. Follow me. I'm putting up shit on Instagram that I don't put up anywhere else. That funny stuff, whatever. You never know what I'm going to put on there. Go follow me on Instagram at 
real life, real crime, or at Overton Woody. But the YouTube channel is, I can't believe I wasn't doing this all along, y'all. So I'm recording each one of these episodes now. I think this will be the third one that we put out. Jim Chapman, Vision Podcast Studios, producer, rocking it. He puts up stuff in the background of while I'm talking. So it's not just me talking, but the, anyway, y'all go check it out. The YouTube channel, subscribe. When you like it, you can like it and then hit subscribe. And that anytime the new video comes out or a new video comes out, you'll automatically get alerted. But guess what? It's not just the um, videos of the podcast. I've done videos now, which the one I haven't released is with Crawfish Bull. We did, um, but I've done some, like we were at an oyster bar in Natchez, Mississippi, a seafood restaurant in Natchez, Mississippi. And we just set the camera up on the bar where they were shucking oysters and, and grilling them yeah, and let you watch all that stuff. So it's just a lot of stuff. So go check out our YouTube channel. Um, and we appreciate that. The Scorched Justice. We're under a month away now from my new true crime podcast, Scorched Justice being released in conjunction with Cloud 10 Media and iHeartRadio. So y'all get ready for it. It's coming. Totally separate from real life, real crime. And I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but oh well. The So thank you for listening. I appreciate you so much. Lopa, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. Be a hero. Give the gift of life. Go to lopa.org. Take two minutes and sign up to become an organ donor. All right? That's all they're asking you to do. And look, if they ever need your organs, you're not going to need them because you're going to be dead. So let them go. They save other people's lives. I get more stories every day of people that are alive or that their lives were extended because of organ transplants. So y'all please go sign up for it. Lopa.org. And if you're a lifer from Budapest and you want to become an organ donor, you don't have to be from Louisiana. If you're listening to me, you can just, you can be from anywhere in the world. Go to Lopa.org, sign up. And I'm Woody Overton. Your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder by You. Peace. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? When the wolf is at your door.